minutes. Good evening and good morning, wherever you're watching this podcast, and welcome to THFC Till I Die, your home at Tottenham, past, present, and ooh, a confusing future. But anyway, joining us on episode seven of our podcast is where we're going to start with royalty. He is royalty. He he is going to get himself coronation this weekend. He's going to have a crown put in his head and killed there. Harry Kane's going to be there, you know, and his missus and the kids are going to be there, all bowing down to the main man. It's the one and only Mr. David Irish by Harris. David, how are you? And thank you for joining us tonight, brother. Really appreciate it. Cheers. When you said royalty, I thought you were going to go to Philip there for a minute. I'm absolutely honoured there, Darmo. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I was absolutely buzzing until I seen a picture of Dyer front and centre in your intro. That sort of... Uh, Wound my gears up a little bit. Apart from that, I'm all good, I must say. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. It was put there for you. It was put there just for you. <laughs> and, of course, joining me is my usual co-host, the man that's now on the run from membergration after I'd done something in the background, and Donald Trump <laughs> after knocking his door as well. It's the godfather himself, Mr. Philip Brady. Philip, how are you this morning, sir? What's afternoon? Yeah, I, I was fine now until you probably scuffled my chances of ever getting back into the USA again. But apart from that, I'm fine. Yeah, Grant. <laughs> That's okay. That That's I, okay. I, I owe you one, brother. I owe you one. Oh, yeah. Well, you are quite royalty with the Kardashians, you know, and we all know that. And we all know you're the Tom Jones <laughs> of bingo world. So there you go. Don't remind me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, you, you live up to these. Don't remind me. You're quite famous in bingo world, so do you know you've got to, you've got to keep going. It? Right, let's talk about Tottenham. That's what we're here for. Please do. Please and... do. <laughs> Love a bit of banter. Right, we're going to start off with this. Uh, where we go? Oh, yeah, start for this. Who's on the Spurs managerial merry-go-round? Now, I, I found this earlier today, this bit of a PDF here. I'll take that off. These are seven of the managers we have had under Daniel Levy. Now we've got Martin Yo, Conte, Glenn Hoddle, Ramos, Pochettino, um, Harry Redknapp, and of course the Garden Gnome. Um, Dave, I mean, look, we've had 14 managers in 22 years. These are just a selection of the managers under Levy. 
surely we should have won something with one of these managers, shouldn't we? Um, look, I think, yeah, we should have by now. We should have by now. Look, I'd make the argument that we have better squads back then under some of them other managers mm. than what we do now. Um, but I do think with our the calibre of hire managers we've been hiring recently are mm. better than the managers that we hired back then. Look, for me, it's a bit of a difficult one, Darwin, because the club I grew up supporting as a boy was a mid-table Premier League team. And up until Pochettino, everything was going in an upwards trajectory, you know. Um, the only thing that I would say probably changed over the course of period of time was that Tottenham were known as a cup team. I always had a good cup run. And that sort of, you know, especially in recent times, that sort of has, has gone out the window. But the club I support as a boy up until Pochettino, for me, was going in an upwards trajectory. Um, the new stadium, new state-of-the-art training complex, Tottenham are more globally known than ever before. Um, you know, Champions League final, uh, getting close to the league titles and stuff like that. However, you know, it's the business model that fails us, Darmot. And it's the business model that fails their managers because no manager is ever going into a season with everything they actually need. It's always, you know, oh, we, we're good here in these positions, but here we're weak and stuff like that. And unfortunately, our weaknesses are always coming back to haunt us. And we're not very, very quick um, to rectify them either. And look, that, that's that's ultimately what's, what's let us down. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I mean, look, we've had one manager in there, Ramos, who won us a trophy, Philip. All the rest of them have failed for one reason or another. Is it Levy that's failed them? Of of they failed us as managers? Well, I think the percentage of that, obviously some of the managers didn't um, maybe live up to their reputations, for want of a better word, but I think the, the high percentage of the fail rate has to be put down to Daniel Levy. I mean, as David said, the, the, the business model is not right. It's not tuned in for success on the football pitch mm. it might be tuned in to make money for the investors uh, from all the various strands that Enoch are invested in but they really you know this this promise that daniel levy made on the bt documentary a couple of months ago that all the profits from the various ancillary and activities will be plowed back into the team mm. i think we've yet to see that be brought to fruition and we've seen to be suffering now for his lack of what's the word i'm looking for his lack of ability to pay the asking price for players whenever they've come up. Jack Grealish, for example, Bruno Fernandes, many others. So I think the majority of the fault has to go with the the um, the, uh, the the chairman. Like the, Tottenham has got a bit, is getting to be a bit of a reputation now as a managerial graveyard. Yeah, you know, you go to Tottenham and die, because you know, no no manager in recent years has enhanced his reputation at Spurs. Pochettino was the only one that has really. Conte didn't. Nuno certainly didn't. And, uh, you know, it's sad. And that's why it may, it may be an issue in us recruiting a new manager, that they may look at the past history and say, hang on a bit, do I want any part of that? Hopefully some up. of them will see past it and, yeah. and see there's a challenge there. Mm. You're already seeing it, though, Philip. You know, with Nagel's man, he wants to know who the director of football yeah. is because he doesn't yeah. trust. Mm. You know, because right now, as it stands, the decision on recruitment and, and purchases stands with Danny Levy. And he obviously doesn't trust him. You know, he doesn't trust... You You, you look at the interview the other day on TalkSport with, with David Webb, ex-head of re elite recruitment from 17 into the senior team. He said, you know, I was bringing players to the table and... For whatever reason, some of them didn't get over the line. And I was actually on a, a show yesterday and I was saying that, look, you know, there is a case in the football world that players come with an inflated ego. Their agents want, uh, they, 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 the players are looking for too high of a wage of signing on fees, etc. Their agents are also looking to extort the club. I can understand if it's been pulled for that because Tottenham have always sort of worked under a wage structure and they're never ever going to break that and what you couldn't have is you couldn't have a guy coming in here you know asking to be on more say than Harry Kane because it's never going to work because what you have then is you have Harry Kane going up there Alder for Alder for and look at the service I've brought to Tottenham why aren't I on these wages and it creates yep. squad disharmony so I can understand it to add that aspect however what David Webb did say is that Daniel Levy was making a judgment on their talent that's not Levy's expertise. His expertise and what he went to college for and what he went to Cambridge for is to be an accountant, study business, this, that, and the other. That's what his expertise is. So 
sometimes what he needs to do, and in fact, what he needs to do is if someone comes with a guy and yeah, okay, the, the wages may be a tiny bit high, they might be looking for a bit higher than other people at their age bracket at the football club, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But you've got to trust them people in recruitment. You've got to just forget about the numbers at times and just say, okay, I trust you as a talent, a, a talent identifier, as a scout. We'll get this guy in. You've served me well in the past because, you know, we all speak about the high player turnover, the high manager turnover. But look at the high recruitment and uh, people in recruitment turnover. We've had director of football, scouts, etc. Look at the turnover in that department as well. And it's like, you know, you get people walking away from the club because they're frustrated because they're not being listened to. And, 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 you know, it's it, it's just not a good situation to be in. Daniel Levy, okay, you know, he's always going to sign off on the check. He's always going to have the final say on the deal because he has to sign off on the numbers. Fine. But what he shouldn't be doing is is having his input on the uh, talent of the player. It's not his expertise. Leave that okay. to the people that 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 have that expertise, that have that knowledge, that have been in that in them roles for quite some time. And that's that's where he's he's letting himself down in that department. He should not have a say on it whatsoever. Yeah. I, I mean, guys, look for for myself. Look, we've dug ourselves into a grave here. We we've 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 got high top end managers, Mourinho, Conte. We haven't backed them. We haven't been successful. Mourinho went on to want something with Roma. Nuno left us. Won something with with the club he went to. Harry Redknapp left us. Won an FA Cup for Portsmouth. Um. And you can go on and on. Do you know, we we are, do you know, I'll start with you, Philip, on this. Levy, has Levy dug himself to a grave hole here that managers might have, the next manager will have the upper hand on him because of his, because of what's gone in the past. Because if no Levy knows, if he mucks this one up, there is no coming back from this. Yeah, but when Conte came in, we thought the same thing, mm. really. Mm. I think we thought, here's a proven manager who wins things everywhere he goes. Holly, happy days. The next thing, top trophies are on our way. Didn't happen. Now, did that happen because Levy did not back up his promises to you know, provide X, Y, and Z for Conte? It certainly looks that way because I mean, some of Conte's comments, especially near the end of his, of his um, reign at Tottenham, were very barbed, you know, very cutting about the mentality at the club, about the, the lack of leadership, the lack of steel in the dressing room and the, and the failure rate at the club over the last number of years. So I, I think it's a case of, of, of Levy, like ideally for everybody, uh, Spurs need a complete reset from top to bottom, meaning new owners, new chairman, someone with a vision for the club, because Daniel Levy's 22 years or 23 years at the club. He's in a, he's in a rut. It seems to be very hard to change his ways. He'll promise to change his ways, but invariably never does. So the next manager that comes in, this is what worries me about the next appointment. You know, if we end up getting this one wrong, we are bound for mid-table mediocrity for the next five years because there, no manager worth his salt is going to come to us. It may still be the case this time. We may not be able to get a match. We'll be turned down more times than we're accepted over this managerial job. Look at the Nuno case. Look at how long it took us to fix, to fix the vacancy there. Is that going to happen again? I know there's guys in the frame for the for the for the job like Nagelsmann and company and Luis Enrique and whatever, but seriously, are they even? Can we believe what's been said? Are they actually serious contenders, or are they are they being put out there to make it look like they're serious contenders? I just don't know. You don't know, Dave. Last question on this before we move on to our next subject. I've always wondered: Do the players have to take responsibility for what's happened at Tottenham? Though Levy has to take responsibility for not backing the managers, but surely the players have to take responsibility for not delivering on the pitch for the manager. How many times have we seen Conte criticising players for not working hard? No desire, no this, no that. You look at the speech at Southampton. You look at Nuno said the same thing. You look at Mourinho said the same thing. We're too nice. We should be a bunch of whatever. Even back to Glenn Hoddle. We had the same problem. Players that did not want to do it. Poch came in first season, got rid of all the deadwood, was allowed to. Do the players have to take responsibility for this ban run as well, past and present? Look, I'm going to speak about the last four years, Darwin, because that's where my real problem is. It's, it's bonehead decision after bonehead decision. 
And it all comes down to people trusting, you know, Daniel Levy's case. Look, I just want to state this first. The business model derives from Joe Lewis. He is at this club just purely for business, for money, right? Mm-hmm. And he put Daniel Levy in place to make sure that that's adhered to um, by, by the law that he wants it to adhere to, right? Now, Dan- Daniel Levy is responsible for all the day-to-day running of the, of the club. Now, what I will say is, you're always going to make mistakes when there's no room for maneuver within the within the way within the way the um, the business model is. You're always going to make mistakes. However, what you can still have is you can still have uh, all the right things in place and the right people to listen to. You know, he was listening to Steve Hitchin for so long. Look at the mess he got this squad into. In terms of you know players that all fans just knew he wasn't good that that weren't good enough to be here. A lot of his recruitment have been shipped on bar three players left to this day. You know you listen to him for so long, wasted three hundred and fifty something million under under him. You know he's, um, you know look 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 at some of the players in the players committee. How 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 is that someone like Eric Dyer? You know, in the players' committee, how's he been able to get contract after contract? And you know, we we can sit here and make excuses for the guy, but the reality is, is Conte gave Eric Dyer a chance. He liked Eric Dyer. Mm. He gave him a chance. So, um, you know, Conte said that he could become one of the best in the world. Jose Mourinho also gave the guy a chance, and he failed them. But what you have is, is managers are not being listened to. They're the last people listened mm. to. You have these guys, as soon as it's not working out, as soon as it's dropped, as soon as the pressure's on them, they start running to Daniel. And that's the biggest problem. You've seen it with Danny Rose in the documentary um, um, when jo- when he went into George Mourinho to speak about playing time. He didn't like the answer he got. His response was, I don't like it, I'm going to Daniel Levy. And this is the problem. He's listening to players that have a self-interest. They don't want to leave this club and no. go and accept lesser wages and have to live a different lifestyle, etc., etc. They want to hang on for as long as possible. They want the, to be known as Premier League football, this, that, and the other. So they're not acting in the club's best interest. Some of them guys are acting in their best self-interest because the only ones that are benefiting from the manager turnover is some of these guys. Some of these guys in the player committee. So Daniel Levy's listening to them over any other manager here. And that's where his biggest problem comes from, especially when it comes to squad-related issues, especially when it comes to management. If he really wants this sorted out, he's got to get a manager in place and he's got to listen to what the manager wants. And he's got to do get out players that the manager wants out, regardless of personal relationships built up, this, that, and the other. You know, and it, it just can't keep continuing like this. Uh the players look for me, Dermo, they come in here, they get the wages they ask for, they get appearance fees, everything. Mm. Once they step over the white line, the responsibility is mainly on them. They've yeah. been given the tactics. They've been briefed by managers. Mm. They've been massaged down by the masseuse. They've been in training mm. all week. Their wages are always in their bank account. What happens when you're on that white line is down to you, whether mm. you're hungry enough, whether you're motivated enough. And we, the reality is we've seen over the last three, four years, yeah. a lot of the guys aren't hungry yeah. enough. They're not, they're, they, um, you know, they're making excuses mm. not to win. Jose Mourinho said about making excuses not mm. to win with these guys. So did Antonio Conte. And mm. whether, regardless whether your opinions on these guys and how it worked out at Tottenham, you've got to respect the stature that they have in the game, mm. what they've done at previous clubs where they've been at. And you've got to sort of maybe realise that, okay, maybe it didn't work out, but there's that, like, Two managers to say this. Mm. Why? That therein lies a problem within the squad. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. these players have to take massive mm. responsibility. And another mm. reason, just quickly, I know I've been a bit long and I'm going over time on this, but no, you're grand. You know, you look at the amount of players we've signed. Mm. People say we need to rebuild. We need to rebuild. We rebuild once under Steve Hitchin, twice under Paratici. Mm. Boat has not worked out. Now, why is a lot of the new players coming in here? Very, very quick to be out the door, but some of the old guard are staying. But when they arrive, you're hearing about attitude problems. You're hearing Mm. about clicks, Welsh mafia, French mafia, this, that, Mm. and the other, right? Why are players not settling when they come in here? 
because there's no one to set the standard and say, this is how we act at Tottenham. Mm. This is how a Tottenham player acts. This is the standard we set every mm. single day. You hear the great teams of our Man United. You mm. hear Gary Neville talk about it. Roy Keane talk about it. Rio Ferdinand talk about it. Player after player after mm. player talking about when new players come in, the standards you set, etc., etc. And that's mm. not there. And that's why you're seeing high player turnover. That's why you're seeing players come mm. in. Like, for instance, you look at Romero. The guy has been sliding around like a blue-ass fly, sprinting around, spraying balls left, right and centre. He sees Numpty Dumpty beside him, making mistake after mistake, barely throwing a leg, dropping off every time a player runs at him instead of engaging. He's looking around and going, hang on, why am I working twice as hard? Mm. You know, what's the point? No one needs to do that here. No. The players have to take a massive responsibility. Mm. Yeah. Philip, do you want to add to that before? It sort of leads on to our next talking point, but I'd let you respond to Dave. But yeah, it sort of leads on to about leaders. So I'll let you carry on. Now, I want to make a suggestion for the new manager when he's coming Mm. in. If this could be written into the the book of rules, if you like, at Tottenham, is that the the chairman be completely ring-fenced from the playing squad, in so much as if a player has a problem, he goes to the director of football, whoever that might be at the time, right? And he's prohibited from going to the chairman. Mm. Keep the problems of the football side on the football side. Don't be going to Daniel Levy, because we've seen what that's done in the past. It's creating divisiveness. And he's, he obviously has his favourites at the club and that he's going to listen to and others that he's not. So if you keep that, if you, okay, tell, tell Eric Dyer, Eric, if you've got a problem, you go to... Paratici part two, or whoever it's going to be in that job. You go to Scott Munn. You don't go near Daniel Levy. Let him run the business side of the club. Football side is down to the football side. And maybe that might do away with some of the, the clickiness that might be enveloping into the club because there are clicks there. And uh, it's, it's not um, for anybody's benefit that that's happening. So something that some set of rules needs to be set in place. Yeah, they certainly, certainly do. And that sort of leads me on. I was watching a podcast earlier called Upfront with Simon Jordan, Philip's Philip's new best friend <laughs> at Talk Sport. And um, oh, I love he Simon was, Jordan. I know you do. You got I know you kiss his he kiss his picture at night before you go to bed and everything. I know. You don't see his like, picture on the wall here behind me, no? I do, yeah. <laughs> there's darts in it. What you can't see is the size waxwork in front of him. <laughs> It is the, it's the Kardashian picture, the other side that nobody can see. But anyway, that's I'll never leave that one down. I'll never leave that one down. <laughs> but he, he was interviewing Graeme Souness now. Graeme Souness, for somebody of my age and Philip's age, was a maestro and a leader of men in that Liverpool side of the late 70s, early 80s. And then, of course, you have the likes of Steve Perriman, Gray Roberts for us, Billy Bremier for Leeds in the 70s. Dave Mackay, of course, back in the 60s. And it got me thinking, how many leaders are in this current Spurs squad? And when I sat down, mm. I couldn't name one. Probably Romero, Hoybier, or two. Philip, I'll start with you on this, then I'll go to you, Dave. Philip, what's happened to, what's happened to footballers now? Are the Spurs players too soft? Well, I mean, you know, if you look at... Look, take Liverpool, for example, right? Mm. I look at their team, and they've got the mm. likes of Jordan Henderson, who's a leader. They've got the mm. likes of Virgil van Dijk. He's a leader. Even James Milner is there so long. Mm. He's one of the leaders. They've got people through their team that can cajole mm. and bully and you know get the message across. Our problem, I think, has been for the last number of years, it's going back to my old bugbear of having a goalkeeper as a captain, right? Mm. Goalkeepers cannot influence, cannot be a leader from standing on his own goal line. He's 60, 70 yards from the play most of the time. So he can't do, he can't influence what's going on. Now, who we got in the back line as a leader? Romero, possibly. But as, mm. as David says, Romero will never show his true colours at Tottenham until he's got a decent centre back playing alongside him. He cannot mm. be he cannot be mopping up Eric Dyer's mistakes all the time. So mm. it's allow him blossom as a player and a leader. Um, the one player that I can really see in that team. Now, I'm leaving Harry Kane out of this because I think you know Harry Kane, uh, he's a role model. Whether he's a leader or not, I don't know. But the one young lad in that team that I can see as a leader in the future is Oliver Skip. I think mm. Oliver Skip has got that got a little bit of metal about him. He's young, mm. he's keen, he's taught them through and through. And my worry about leaders from other the other uh, players in the team, a lot of them are only passing through. They're here for a couple yeah. of years when they're going on. 
as David said, there's such a high player turnover. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for someone to, to mm-hmm. what's the word I'm looking for, to, to get into the role as a leader in the team. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think Hoiberg should be a leader. But is he? Have you seen evidence of that, David, really, on the pitch? Where, where, where... Do, do you know when it, when it comes to Hoiberg, Philip, I'm a bit torn on this guy, right? Because... You know, there was a clip um, of the Southampton game when we were up 3-1, you know. He's there in the tunnel speaking to the guys. And you can see him, you know, come on, guys, you know, focus. Let, you know, let, let's keep doing the right things, etc. 30 seconds later, the ball's in the back of the net. You want me to be brutally honest, Philip? I don't think you really see any leadership qualities in any player really come to the fore. Mm. Why we keep shipping goals the way we do? Mm. Until we stop actually you know, capitulating the way we do. It's hard for any leader to stand up because even the most tried and tested leader eventually is just going to give up. You know, he's just going, what's the point? What's the point of trying to encourage? You know, I've tried encouraged. I've tried giving out. I've tried, you know, you know, pointing them out in front of the crowd to see if I can get them going and whatever else. And it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do with some of Mm. these guys. They're always going to let you down. And I think their frailties you know, unfortunately, cost Tottenham that much that I really don't think you're going to really see any leaders come come to the fore, come to the plate until that's sorted out. I think yeah. if you get a back line you can trust and you stop conceding goals and you're you're in games and it's tight and stuff like that, that's mm. where you're going to see your leaders come to the fore. Who's up for the yeah. fight? Who's up for the battle? Who's organising? When we're being walked through the way we are, you're not seeing any of it. All you're seeing is players yeah. pointing and, and, and arguing with each other. In, there may as well be traffic wardens out there. Some of the stuff yeah. you see, come on, come on, you know, yeah. left, left, all oh, this sort of, you know, like I said on my podcast yesterday, but hey, Dyer, you may as well stick a fluorescent jacket on my jacket on and give him a UV light and send them out to Dublin Terminal on the runway and start guiding in planes with what you see from this guy. You know, it's absolutely. You know, I'm, not fly- I'm not flying. I'm not flying from Dublin anymore. That's what he's going to be doing. <laughs> but, but look, look, you look back through the years, guys, and you look back like a Robbie Keane at us when he was at Tottenham, a Robbie Keane for us or other players and but I kind of look at like at the old Liverpool side of a Graeme Souness or a Tommy Dock or you look at Man United you you had a Roy Keane who would stick his foot in and as you said Dave if a new player came in they knew what what it meant to play for them certain teams and they knew what what they had to do the captain led by example Hugo Luis has been our captain now for what for the last four or five years now hasn't he he oh, was standing it? in 2015 because yeah. uh, our captain got injured in 2016. Yeah. 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 So four, five years, six years now Seven he's been captain. Years, Harry Kane is the assistant captain. When we are really up against it, do you need other players? I'll start with you, this and Dave. Do you need other players just to take responsibility from them and say, right, he can't see what's happening I can. I need to take responsibility and say, Skip needs to shout at Hoibia. Get to that man. Or Hoibia needs to shout at Kulu or a son. Get him. Track him. Do you know, there's nobody, they all seem to be looking after themselves, if you know what I mean. But Dharma, this is the problem. And I, I, I don't even think it's a modern day problem. I just think it's a sparse problem in general. I listen to a lot of, uh, you know I me, mean? I always say this, I listen to a lot of referees, managers, ex-players, you know, podcasts where they sit down for hours, you know, and sort of spill the beans on their careers and stuff like that. And during them, you get fantastic insights into dressing rooms and, you know, the going-ons in football, what sort of gets out to the press, how other things are covered up, etc. Fantastic. Now, <clears throat> the problem we've got, Dermot, is, is because you've got guys who know they're not good enough to be there, right? We're developing a culture where no one wants to be called out on the pitch in mm. front of the crowd. You're in front of the TV cameras, this, that, and the other. And for me, it stems back to Pochettino here. And I'm not blaming Poch for this, mm. but Pochettino was a very, very sort of friendly atmosphere, mm. right? Created a very friendly atmosphere. You've seen all the handshakes and all the stupid dances and everything else going on, right? And I think we've got some guys left who well, are sort of trying to carry that on. Yeah. But it's gone. 
it needs new leadership. It needs fresh leadership. Mm. That buddy-buddy mentality, that squad camaraderie is no longer there. Mm. It's been gone for quite some time. And, you know, a bit like to what Philip alluded to earlier, the reason why we know we've got no leadership and stuff like that anymore is because usually in, in a squad, if you've got a problem, you go to the captain. If mm. the captain can't sort it, he goes to the manager. Or if the manager can't sort it, he goes up to the guy above them, like a Scott Moon or a director mm. of football or that. What we have is players going into the manager, not even speaking to the captain, just going straight into the manager and going, no, I'm going to Daniel Levy, you know? And it's a huge problem. There's no chain of command in that football club. Mm -hmm. There's no leaders. Like, on the football pitch, if things aren't going right, as a player, you should be able to take criticism. And it's not even criticism, it's leadership. Someone's just trying to tell you. And look, mm -hmm. the thing is, people respond in different ways, right? Some people respond to you bigging them up, telling them they're a good player, for example. You know, if you've got a fullback who keeps kicking the ball over the sideline, you know, sometimes that guy might need you to run over and just go, look, you're a good player, trusting your abilities, get on the ball, play out from the back, mm. I've seen you do it. You know, and then you can see a different player, but some players don't respond to that. Mm. Some players need a grinning to respond, you know. But what we've got now is everyone wants to be too nice, you know, so no one's leadership can sort of come to the fore. You look at Harry Kane, like Mason alluded to it in his press conference the other day. Like Harry Kane's a leader, you know. He, he sort, but he, he leads by example. He's not, he's not an overall sort yeah. of organizer, shout, and you can't have your striker as that. No. What you need is a leader in the middle of pang. You know, I I agree with Philip on Ollie Skip. You know, you listen to what Pochettino mm. said, what Jose Mourinho said. This guy's a future captain at Tottenham. But look, you know, that, that's that's big that's big praise and stuff like that. But for me, there's a lot more development in Skip's game mm. for him to be able to maintain yeah. in the Premier League, let alone grab, mm. go and grab a, a Captain Zambad. Mm. So that's a long time away. But what you need right now is you need someone that's just going to come in mm. and almost let him rule by fear because some leaders, people do stuff mm. because they're, they're fearful of them. They don't want a bollocking and stuff like mm, that. True. And I think right now with all the new signings at Tottenham, that's what you need. Yeah. You need someone who people are going to be <laughs> afraid of and going to do what they tell them to do, mm. you know. And then, then turn, then you see a manager coming in. He'll have a chance, when, you know, because you've got players all doing mm. the right thing, all running and stuff like that. But right now, you know, you, you players that don't want to be criticised, you've seen it. Conte came out and criticised them. Mm. They went out and backed up his words. Mourinho's come out and criticised them. The fans have been criticising them. You know, and they're still letting everyone down. The reality is they just don't care. So what this needs is someone, and I, I don't really like to say this, but someone who has not a bully-like nature, but someone that people are mm. going to be afraid of and just start saying yes, instead of giving their opinion or shouting back this, that and the other. Mm. The whole thing mm. lacks of, of leadership. But also, Darmo, mm. it stems from the top. And I know I'm mm. waffling on here, but just quickly, like when, when the culture at the football club is top four, mm. you heard in Daniel Levy's Cambridge, he didn't even mention the Carling Cup that we won in no. 2000. And, uh, and, and, and uh, what nice. was it? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Eight. But he didn't even mention that. All he mentioned was finishing above Arsenal for five plus years. And it's kind of like if that's the culture set from the top, no wonder why you're seeing players slacking off in cup games and stuff like that. Because there's no one sitting there going, right, guys, you know, cup game, we want to go and win some. Regardless, get out there and perform. You don't have any leadership whatsoever. So over the summer, this needs a complete culture set from yeah. the top. And then that will replicate itself all the way down to management mm. because he knows he's not sitting there going, ah, we just have to care about top four. We can mm. snack everything off. That then will replicate to the players. The standard needs to be we compete on all fronts every single season mm. like the owners want us to. And we're yeah. actually going to compete on them. We're not going to prioritize. And yeah, that standard yeah. set everyone follows. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on with that. You really, and it does start from the top because it does start from the top and then it goes down to the bottom. So, look, I want to ask the last question on this. I'll start. Can, with can I just, just, just before yeah, you go, finish off that yeah. one, just that topic, I'm just looking yeah. back here. Look at the season back to 16 17 when we finished second in the league, mm. right? Look at our back line that year Kyle Walker, Jan Vertongen, Toby Aldevero, and Danny Rose, right? Mm. What would you give for one of those guys back in the team now who are leaders, who are vocal, who got the, the points across? So we've gone from having a team where literally the whole back line you could rely on to a back line now where we can't rely on any of them. So that's yeah. in a short space of time, look what's happened. They, those guys need to be replaced, as Dave says, with leaders. Okay, if you're scared stiff for somebody, so what? I'd love to see Dave Mackay come into that dressing room. The ghost of Dave Mackay. 
and literally shake a few of those guys up. They so you realise you're playing with Tottenham Hotspur. What's mm. that, Dave? They wouldn't last two minutes. They, they, they no. would be up in, in HR complaining. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's the I, thing. That's the problem. I, yeah. I watched a documentary the other night on Dave Mackay. And Jesus Christ, that man could. He <laughs> could. He'd scare the living those out of me. But look, we've got the team. This is the team that played Liverpool on Sunday. I can see Dave sort of scratch, shaking the head now. And you can see the... <laughs> The blood starting boiling after that. But look, we'll put that performance to one side. That's for another podcast. If you can, out of that team, can you name me three leaders? Now, I would go for Romero, Skip, and Hoybier. They'd be my three. Philip, who would your three be? And Dave, the same to you after. Well, I mean... You'd have to put it, as, as Dave said earlier, Harry Kane is a leader by the example that he sets. Mm. Not so much for his bullying and pointing and mm. shouting on the pitch. So I'll keep him as number four. Um, oh, God almighty. Uh, Romero, potentially, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, Skip, as I've said, yeah. Uh, the, even though he probably won't be with us for too long and he is a bit quiet, Perisic, I think, should be more vocal. I mean, the mm. guy is an experienced international. You know, he's won things all over his career. Mm. To me, he's only, I don't know what he's doing, just putting in the time at Tottenham. So he should be a leader, but he ain't. And um, there's another player who wouldn't be mentioned much as, as, a, as, a, as a role model off the pitch. It's certainly his son. Maybe he doesn't put himself about as much mm. on the pitch as he should, you know? But I think uh, Dyer, Skip and Romero will be the two that I would say are possible leadership contenders. And there's not much more, really. Not many more. Dave? So I tend to agree with, with, with a lot of what Philip said, to be honest. I think just quickly on Son, I think the reason why he'll probably never really make a club captain is I take mm. my mind back to the documentary where Hugo Lloris was bollocking mm. Son at halftime for not tracking a run that nearly cost mm. on him. And Son is a bit a bit lazy defensively. Mm. And, you know, as a leader, you can't really have that. you got to have a player that wants to muck in and do the dirty mm. side of the game first. Because once you see your leader do that, there's no no excuse for the rest of the, the, the team not to sort of mm. do that. If you see your leader slack off, you'll start seeing that mm. sort of set through yeah. the rest of the team. When I look at leaders... I love Christian Romero. Mm -hmm. I, what I love about him is he, he's just aggressive, but I don't really see him ranting and raving. You know, I never really see him bollocking dire for his mistakes. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure Romero's vocal enough. Um, would that be an English, would that be a would that be a language thing, David? He's not speaking very good English. You know, I'm not there's no good bollocking Eric Dyer. You know, okay, he could bollock Eric Dyer in Spanish and he'd understand him, but bollock some of the other players who don't understand Spanish. <laughs> I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, and do you know what? To be fair, I don't really remember him too much sort of being mm. vocal during the World Cup and stuff like that either. No. I think he no. just, I think he's one of them. It's, you know the way they always say the silent ones you need to watch out for? It's sort of like that yeah, with him. Yeah. It's like silent assassin. I'm going to throw a player out there that people may not, Suggest I'm going to put Pedro Porro in there. I like what I no, see. Yeah, you know, yeah, you see him fist pumping tackles. <laughs> you see the aggressive look on his face. You know, you do see him sort of speaking to people and <laughs> stuff like that. For me, I, I, I'm going to keep an eye on him and see how he develops over the course of next season and see if potentially that's <laughs> in there with him. I love the video yesterday of him with the medicine ball, smacking it off the wall and catching yeah. it and everything else. Absolutely yeah. love that. At least he's not out golfing or at 007 premieres like we've seen in years gone by. You know, it's not working out, so he's working harder. That's exactly what I want to see. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to put his name for potentially, mm. but again, not immediately. I think if you're going to look at the yeah. media, I think if you're going to look at the media, I think I'm going to pin my hopes on him, to be honest. Yeah, I, look, for me, I think Hoybier is is like our Graham Roberts. He does, though you don't see enough, he does bollock plays around him. He, you could see him in Southampton. You said, Dave, look, we've got to be careful here. You see his reaction when we conceded that goal. I told you. I told you if you didn't cop on. Now, very quickly, Dave, just one quick question. Why we got the team up there? Um, if you took out Foster, Dyer and Davis and Perisic and replaced them, say, with decent world-class players, do you have a nucleus there of a title-challenging side? If we replace the two centre backs, the win back, and the goalkeeper, 
I'll be honest with you, Dermot. Look, look, I like what I've seen from mm-hmm. Fraser Forrest for this year. I don't really think he's too much of a problem. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think you could get a better goalkeeper who suits the more modern-day football. You know, you look at Bazunu, great with his feet. We watched him again oh, yeah. in the last Ireland game. Philip, he's throwing balls to the half-line out of his arms, you know? So you yeah. do need that sort of distribution in a player because that means then you don't always have to go to the centre-backs, which then, you know, screws up the opposition's plan because their plan straight away is wait for the centre-backs to get the ball, press Tottenham. Mm-hmm. So you can go longer. The goalkeeper can go to wing-backs, into midfield, out wide to a, a Kulu or something to hold up and get us going. He can sort of bypass the press. So I think, yeah, number one, centre-backs have to be brought in. I, I mean, look, I've said it. I've been on this case for two to three years now, but especially in the summer, I said, if we don't, if we don't address any centre-backs, when the crunch time comes mm-hmm. around this season, it's going to come back to haunt us. Yeah. And it has. For me, I'm actually putting out a video Sunday. Philip spoke about Jan, Toby, mm-hmm. Walker, Rose. I'm going to be detailing the exact collapse since then in numbers for everybody to understand mm-hmm. and see clearly. It's the it's our biggest issue. Trust mm-hmm. me, the research yeah. I've done into this, it is our biggest issue. You keep mm-hmm. goals out, you stay in the game, and then with our attacking quality, that's where that comes to the fore, and mm-hmm. you go and win that game. On Perisic, I'll be honest, Darmo. Look, you look at Emerson earlier on on the right-hand side, right? People berated him because he couldn't get mm. forward. They wanted a guy who could come in and get forward. Now you bring in Porro, and they're giving out about his defensive abilities. Mm. Perisic on the other side. People's only problem is this guy's got 12 assists and one goal. Mm. You know? I mean, have you ever seen Session get that? No. You know? And we were screaming out for someone on that mm. side to come in and play a ball. The problem we have is, is that back line. If you've got a yeah. better back line and you've got defenders who are not afraid to be exposed, who can defend one-on-one, like mm. we had with it, Jan and Toby, you don't see Perisic's defensive frailties that much. No. You've got players back there better on the football who can play out. We're on the mm. ball most of the time, so then we're not highlighting our mm. defensive problems so often. It, it's, you know, for me, yeah. I would I actually made this argument on a podcast, me and Jack Don yesterday. I want to keep Perisic. I do. I think I'd also bring back Regan. I'd keep Perisic as a player in the forward area, but I'd bring back Regan on and let him have a go at that position with Adoji, in my opinion, next season, have the competition there. I get people have a problem with Perisic defensively, but it's not why we brought him in here. We brought him in here to contribute to the attack and play, which mm-hmm. is what people wanted Regan on a session out of the team because they weren't offering it. Um, and he's offered that. So for me, yeah. he's done the job. The difference between last season and this season is last season, right, We Dyer and Davies have probably given us the best six months they've ever given us. Mm-hmm. So we were able to form a cohesive backline, which meant we weren't talking about our defensive issues. We were talking about our attacking problems, whereas they slacked off this season. So now we're highlighting the defensive problems so mm-hmm. much. And the likes of a Perisic and Porro is being dragged into that. But reality, it's not what we brought them in here to do. So mm. you buy two better centre-backs and you have three good centre-backs across there. You'll see a much better stand of football on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Philip, that's do you know, do, do, if we if we did get rid of Dyer and Davis, and look, I, I love Reglon. I hope Reggie comes back. And I, I, I didn't want them to go in the first place, if I'm brutally honest with you, because I thought he was, mm. at least he was better covered than Zegi, Segerson was. Um, if you do say, if you've got a decent goalkeeper, get rid of Dyer and Davis, and you keep the rest of the team as it is, Philip, do we have a team that's capable of winning something with the right look. manager? With the right mentality, we have to say we have because I mean, look, look at the moment. We think we're third or fourth in goals scored, but we're sixteenth in goals conceded. Oh. And there's a huge differential there, as yeah. Dave Wright said. If we can stop the goals going in at one end, we've got the mm. ammunition at the far end. There is nothing wrong with a forward player, Tottenham. Absolutely no. nothing. Two centre backs. Now, I mean, and I agree, Dave Fraser Foster. To me, I have great confidence in Fraser Foster. Mm. I love the way he commands his area. Okay, he's thirty-seven. Mm. He's not one for the future. Yeah. But I would certainly, well, there's no panic this season to buy, to bring in a, a panic buy to replace Hugo Lloris. Fraser Foster is more than capable of doing another season as yeah. our number one. And mm. I, I would actually go for Bazuma if Southampton gets uh, relegated because mm. he's too good for the for the championship. But two centre-backs, mm. a, a Madison-Stroke-Ward-Prowse type player in the middle. Yeah. And uh, if Harry Kane goes, then a replacement for him. Then we've got a team to be really, really uh, that can cause an awful lot of ripples next mm. season. 
And with the managers that we're looking at, probably as Xavi Alonso or Nagelsmann oh, coming in, God, that like this play, is getting confusing. That that like know. playing free free flowing attacking football, which is is our DNA, and it, it's going away from what we've seen for the last four years: defensive, boring, drab yeah. football. We might yeah. just. Do you think, Dave? Just very quickly before we move on to our final topic, very quickly, if the if the fans can see the team playing well on the pitch, and we're successful, and we get into latter stages of tournaments like a League Cup or an FA Cup, or latter stages of say the Conference League, that we could be in next year, do you think then the fans might be happier? What's going on off the pitch? If you know what I mean, will that take away some of the some of the do you know bitterness that, that's around at the moment. Do you know what, on this, Dharma, I've had a bit of a thought about this the last couple of days, and when I really look back on it, right, and I'm just sort of taking the majority of the noise I remember from that time, it's not the style of football that the fans care about. It's it's winning what fans care about, because being honest, fans didn't have a problem with Jose Mourinho when he was top of the league until Barclay missed them chances and we spiralled. Fans didn't have a problem with Antonio Conte's football the year we got the Champions League. You know, it was only when we started losing, fans really turned on these sort of managers. And the reality is, people, you know, why have Tottenham changed tack completely from going from an Antonio Conte to a Jose Mourinho and Nuno and, 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 and a, um, a Mourinho and a Conte, right? Why have they changed tack drastically? It's not because they're proven winners. Look at our recruitment in the back line since Toby and yeah. Mm. Romero, Roden, and Langley and Unknown. Yeah. You look at our recruitment left and right wing backs, mm. completely changed. Midfield completely changed. Mm-hmm. Forward areas, we've done recruitment there. We barely touched the centre back position. Yeah. And they didn't want to spend money on the centre back position. They believed their investment in Dyer was justified. They believed their investment in Sanchez was justified. Mm. So what they thought they'd do is bring in defensive managers who, who are known for having a steely defence. Because whether you like it or not, even Nuno was known for having a rock-solid defence at once. They were known for being hard to beat. So they thought these managers could come in here and form a backline out of them. In reality, they've all been proven wrong. You can't form a backline out of these guys. They're just not good enough. Um, so for me, Dermot, it's not about the style of football, to be honest. It's just about winning. It is That's what the fans care about. Yeah, it is. Winning means everything, doesn't it, Philip? It means, it it means does. three points at it the does. end of the day. It does, but like a bit of the, the old... Danny Blanchflower thing, you play mm. with style. The Bill Nicholson play with style. We all want that as well. But I'm just laughing there. You know, you're talking about bringing in a rock-like defence. You know, like, you have defensive managers like Conte, Mourinho, and you, you need to have rock-hard centre-backs to, to allow their tactics to be successful. We don't have rocks at the back. We are sponges. <laughs> I, I was I was thinking of bringing in McAlpine or Wimpy to start building brick walls. <laughs> but you know what I mean. We 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 people that just think you can walk straight through them, mm. and that yeah. that is that until that area. And I mean, it's amazing it has not been addressed. I mean, the dogs on the street know Tottenham need new centre backs and mm. have done for the last three or four years, but it's not been addressed. It's sad. It really is sad. But and we it has, to be, it has to be addressed. This it has to be done. Yeah. This close it, in. It, it, it does happen. You go through the history of Spurs. We've never really been defensively brilliant, but we've always had no. a good defence that we've been solid-ish, if you know what I mean. We haven't had like a defence well, like no, not always, United Thomas, on. Not always. I mean, you go back to the Aussie mm-hmm. Adelas with the, the, the nine, the, the one nine formation, you know. I mean, it was just, it worked good then. I mean, I remember times in the 90s and we, we were relegation fodder because our defence mm-hmm. was so bad. With the likes of um, Stuart Nethercott and oh, uh, guys like that playing who've never been heard of since, you know. Uh, so, like, we, we, we have had our moments. But the fact now that we, we've become such a more high-profile club with our mm. stadium and our uh, the, the players that we get, the, the closest we've come to winning mm. things. But now Spurs fans won't accept uh, any mm. um, second best anymore. It needs to be top draw from now on. Mm. Yeah, I, I just wanted to very quickly on this last topic before we go on to our final topic in what needs to change at Tottenham. Just very quickly, Dave, we'll go on to this. These are our, our main fixtures. Of course, we played Man United and Liverpool, drew and lost respectively. We've got Palace on Saturday, then we're away to Villa, home to Brentford, away to Leeds. We're eight, eighth in the league now, are we? 
Yeah, we're eighth no. in the league. Seventh. No, we're not, we're not, not eighth yet. I think we're still sixth, but tonight we might be down. Because yeah. Villa or um, anyway, if, if Brighton beat United tonight, I think that's. Mm. Anyway, how many points, Dave, can we get out of our last four games? And can we qualify for some sort of European football for next season? Yeah, do you know what? The players may not care, but I do. You know, mm. I do. For me, yeah. I look at them fixtures. Last season, that would have been three, six, nine, twelve points. Mm. You know, yeah. look, I don't think that's going to happen this season. I think we beat Palace on the weekend. Mm. I think Villa. I think you go up there. Their their fans are going to be boisterous. I mean, we've gone into NS Mora and Crumble. We've gone for Tez mm. and actually blame their fans for being too noisy. So yeah. I'm not really expecting us to be able to stand up and be counted there. And Unai Emery, one thing he has is Aston Villa solid mm. defensively. So for me, I see trouble coming on the horizon that game. Brentford, I see trouble on that game too. Physically, they're going to dominate us from set pieces last mm. season, even at our own stadium. You know, they absolutely dominated. They've done the same routine five times in the first half. And uh, on the fifth, we actually finally got down to it. So I think we're going to have problems there. And I think we beat Leeds, to be honest. I think they're already relegated by then. So I can see six points, Darmo, um, if you want me to be brutally honest. But yeah. look, I just want to say to these players, you know, you may not want European football. You've been greedy with Champions League football. You think you're above Europa League. You think you're above Europa Conference League. You can't say you don't because Zagreb wouldn't have happened if you didn't. Vitesse, NS more things yeah. like that wouldn't have happened if you didn't. Fans want European football. We see it as a, a chance to sort of build on, go and win one of them European competitions and use that as a stepping stone, especially for the new generation. So for me, I want Europe only if Dyer's gone this summer, Sanchez is gone this yeah. summer, Davies has gone this summer, Lucas Moore is already gone because what I don't want is European football with these idiots out there representing yeah. us again because we know what happens when they do. Yeah. So there's no point. So, you know, for me... The way I see it, get European football, squad overhaul in the summer and, you know, early rounds in end competitions. Mm. Let's start seeing what our academy stars are made of. Yeah. Yeah. Philip, very quickly, I'll give my, before right. we let you finish, go on. You go, what's your point? I think, and I think I'm going to go one game more. I think we, we, we'll get nine points. I, I can't see us getting anything as Villa, but I think we'll beat Brentford. And Leeds, I think we should beat them. Even though Sam Allardyce factor is going to be hard to gauge. If they're down already on that, they will win. If they're not down already, if they need to survive on the last day, that could be tricky. Uh, one thing I'm just going to say, though, we came within a, a Lucas Moura cock-up of one of the best results at Anfield in years on Sunday. Mm. And the team have got to take heart from the way that they came back from 3-0 down. I know we lost it in the end, but leave out the last 20 seconds and concentrate on the previous 20 minutes, if you like, mm. where we came back from 3-1 down. We've got to bring that forward into the Palace match. And Palace are no dozers, are you? I mean, they went to Leeds and won 5-1 a couple of weeks ago. They beat West Ham 4-3 last weekend, so the goal's in that team. So I'm, I'm going to say we're going to beat them because I'm going to hope there's a reaction from Liverpool. And as David says, I want European football, but not with the likes of the players you mentioned. I'll go over yeah. them again. Give the, give the young lads a goal if we have to. So mm. I'm going to go for nine points and we'll scrape into the Europa League. I'm going to go for seven points. I think we're going to beat Palace. I think we'll get a draw at Villa. I think we'll... We'll lose to Brentford because I watched Brentford against Nottingham Forest last Saturday. And to be fair, Brentford are, Brentford are quite a good outfit. And they have been this season. They they outplayed Forest. Forest were purely crap. Leeds United, that's the game I worry about. If Leeds need a result, they will do us over. If not, we'll do them over. But I'm going for seven points. I think we'll qualify for the Conference League. I don't think we're going to get Europa. I think the Conference League is what we deserve. Um, if we don't get into Europe, I think it's because we haven't earned it. You need to earn to go into Europe. You need to feel you've achieved something. We haven't achieved anything this season because we haven't we haven't wanted to achieve anything. But as Bill Nick says, Tottenham without Europe is nothing. We have to be in Europe because a club yeah. like Tottenham has to be at the top table. So let's go into Conference League, get rid of the, the Deadwood in the squad. Let's start from scratch and let's start at the bottom and work our way up. But that's how I see it. Look, I I thought I agree with you two. Tottenham have been Europe. There's no other way. Plus, Give the kids uh, what manager? What manager is going to come to Tottenham if we're not in Europe? It's going to it's going to, it's going to knock a few <laughs> boys off the off the off the job list. Yeah, because they well, want Europe. They want Europe. Right, there you go. I even got mixed up. If you are enjoying this podcast, please hit the like button, hit the subscription button, and also pick up your memberships 
on the way out. Um, we are going to um, change the, pay the, the, the payment on some of the memberships for the start of next season. But please hit that like button, hit that subscription button. And also, if you are enjoying the stream, hit the little thank you donation thing. It does help. It does help us get new content, new new graphics and everything. Make us better because we want to take this channel to the next level next season so we can compete with the likes of the man down below and give him a good run for his money every show and the watching on. That is the dream to get up. Dave's nearly at 10k. Our dreams to get to 2k and beyond. Let let's let's give the man down below a good run for his money. Anyway, the last topic we're going to talk about for a couple of minutes, not long, because we're we're going to end off very soon, is what needs to change at Tottenham. I think what needs to change at Tottenham is a complete reset, top to bottom. New owners, new manager, new director of football, new players. We have to do it the right way. We have to go back to the basics. We have to go back to the Tottenham DNA, what we were built on, the Bill Nickerson foundations. We have to go back to what Tottenham was. It Tottenham was a club that came out every Saturday, even if they've come out to McNamara's band or to Glory, Glory Tottenham Hotspur, they come out with a fire in their belly to do well. Because without us fans, there is no Tottenham Hotspur. Let's not realise that. The players have to come out and perform. We want our Tottenham back. And I think a complete change overall. Now, if we don't, which I understand Danny Levy is not bothered about the protests. He sees them as nothing more than something that's a little bit of shouting in the corner of the streets. He says, well, he, I've heard that once we get a new manager in and the start of next season, them annoying little noises will go away. So that's what he thinks. I think myself, he's in doo-doo land. I think his head's in the clouds. Um, but we need a total reset at Tottenham. I want my Spurs back, but it's got to be done right this summer with Dyer Sanchez out of the club. New manager in, new philosophy, attacking football. Philip, do you want to, what needs to change at Tottenham? Yeah, a total reset. Preferably mm. new owners, uh, new manager, mm. new um a new way of thinking and a new way of acting uh, on the pitch. I think um, Daniel Levy dissing the protest is a little bit disingenuous because, I mean, they are there and they're they're well-meaning protests. They're peaceful, they're respectful. Uh, I don't know if you saw the video of the Paris Saint-Germain fans lining up outside Neymar's house telling them to get out of the club. You know, like, nothing like that would happen at Tottenham because, well, the French are a bit more hot-blooded anyway, but... I thought that was terrible. Like, I'm, not, I'm no fan of Neymar's, but he didn't deserve that. Um, what we need is, and possibly will happen, I can see one of the unsuccessful bidders for Manchester United trying to maybe make a play for Tottenham. But I think the problem we're going to have there is whatever price they offer, Daniel Levy's going to want more money. Joe Lewis is going to want more. They're going to price us out of a, of a, of a reasonable sale. And that's the worry. You know, it looks like he's no intention of going. So it's going to take some hell of an offer to make him go. Uh, and I think it would be the best for all the club if he did go. And um, let's get someone in with a bit of vision, a bit, a bit of passion, who let the managerial and the football side run the club and run the football side without getting too much involved in it and not interfering. So that's my vision for Tottenham. Yeah. Cuckoo land probably, but we can but hope. Yeah. Dave, let's put the protest to one side. Let's let's concentrate on what we all love. It's football. It's what the 11 men on the pitch that come out every Saturday, you and me and Philip, we love 3 o'clock on a Saturday or quarter to 5 o'clock on a Saturday evening or even 2 o'clock or far 4 on the Sunday. We see them players come onto the pitch. We still get the butterflies. We still get all excited. You do your pom-pop and we're all raring to go by, by kick-off. We're all punching through walls and everything. <laughs> and five what? minutes later, we're punching the walls again. <laughs> five minutes later, we're sort of headbanging the walls, thinking, what the bloody hell did uh, I do that for? Yeah. Um, what needs to change at Tottenham to make a successful next season? What do you want to see change? Yeah, look, you mentioned about, you know, the players walking out onto the pitch. Sometimes I feel like, what sport do they think they're turning up for? Uh, you know, is it cricket? Is it rugby? I mean, some of the shit I've seen this season, it's embarrassing. Look, for me, you look at Joe Lewis, he's got to go. He's he's no he's not gonna change his business model and nor is he look at him, he's getting on to later on in life. And usually when you're at that point you start of 
consolidating your finances, right? Putting them all sort of in order for the next in line. So for me, he has to go. Um, I think, look, his, isn't his shares already not in some sort of... Um, trust. Uh, some trust. Yeah, in, in a trust. Daughter. They've already yeah. been sort of handed some over waiting for whoever they're going to next. Yeah. Um, and if it's going to Joe Lewis's daughter, I fear, I don't, I don't think she's going to take the club forward. I could be wrong. I see some people pinning their hopes on her. For me, I think she's paying, she's making a power play and trying to get Levy out of there so she can have full reign over everything without having any sort of pushback or I know better sort of thing. So for me, I don't really trust that either. I could be wrong though. Daniel Levy, he's got so much wrong over the last four years in the day-to-day running of this football club. So for me... He has to go. I fear he's lost all sort of, um, how would I put it, know-how, to be honest mm. with you. I think, you know, before he was fully hands-on, he had his oversights over absolutely everything. But with the stadium being built and the cost spiralling and spiralling and spiralling, he put all of his attention into that and completely neglected squad management, youth system, loan system, etc. So the whole lot has come crumbling down. And as soon as the stadium's built, it's done, it's opened, he turns around, he's like, oh, holy shit, where do I start? And I fear he's lost. he doesn't know where to begin to sort of get it to put back on track. So for me, he needs to go. When you're seeing a guy who staunchly has come out and refused to take any sort of blame, now he's starting to take blame and admit he got wrong. Just goes to show so that he has to go for that. Um, and for me, I think once you see a change in that, you might see a better Tottenham. Mm. But in terms of if they're not going to go, what needs to change? I think, you look, you've got to bring in a director of football. You've got to trust him. You've got to let trust him to also build up the scouting department. Mm. You bring in a manager, you've got to give him more say to you personally than what the players are given, mm. like Philip alluded to earlier. And then I think the leadership also has to change the captaincy. Um, and for me, I think once you see a lot of that change, I think you see a better standard of product on the pitch once you buy centre-backs as well. Yeah. And once you get a better standard on the pitch, you know, who knows where where where, where, where this can go. But also, it buys, it, buys, it buys them a bit of time to start getting some of the internal stuff in place, to start getting that right. Yeah. The reason why everything's coming to the fore now is because Tottenham have accelerated from Champions League football mm-hmm. down to fighting for Europa Conference League football very, very quickly. So absolutely everything's coming to the fore. So mm-hmm. look, that's what, that's for me what needs to change. The whole club needs a whole culture reset. I want to start yeah. around Tottenham. Are we going to the season? Mm-hmm. We're in the FA Cup. We're in the League Cup. We're in the Premier League and we're in Europe. Mm-hmm. And we want to go for every single competition. That's yeah. what I'm I, I, I think I is spot on. And I think this, I've said it before. I think I've said it in your channel as well, Dave, that we're at the crossroads this summer. This is a very important summer for Tottenham Hotspur. If we go down the right road, we could end up with a bag of gold at the end of that road. If we go down to the wrong road, we could end up being mid-table or even being where Everton are, fighting for our lives in the Premier League. This summer is crucial. Well, Dave, I want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It's really been an honour having you on. I've really enjoyed it. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? And when you're on the road to 10K, go and give you and give you and uh, give the Irish Trust for a big plug for us. Yeah, just quickly, look, thanks very much for having me. I'd say you probably would have rather, Jack. You know, I, I just keep talking and talking and talking. So I apologise okay. about that. No, I apologise, yeah. I can't stop words of wisdom, Dave. Words of wisdom. Words yeah. of wisdom. But, um, I'm taking notes down here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you guys can find us over at the Irish Hotspur looking to get to 10K. So if you've got any love outside of Philip, Dermot and Ellie and, and me and that, make sure you come over to my way and show it to me. But most importantly, if it's your first time tuning into THFC till I die, Get behind these two gentlemen. Get behind Ellie. Absolute great people. I have great time for these guys. So show them your love and your support. And also Thank you will David. get a bit of Kandashian and a bit of from the man next to me. It was a bit, I'm going to call him Hollywood Philip Brady now because he's with, he's all with the top knobs where he is. You're never going to let that down, Philip. I'm telling you. That big, I've got loads more to want, come on them. I've your got horse's head more. on its way to you shortly, Dermot. <laughs> can I call it Tiffany <laughs> anyway oh dear. now why I said that I was watching the 80s countdown last night and Tiffany came on and just brought me back to my early teenage years thinking all oh, right Lord. okay yeah. anyway yeah you can find me and Philip back here on uh, Friday we're back tomorrow because one o'clock when news beat 
with a preview to the Crystal Palace game. We're back on Saturday with the watch along for the Palace game. And then Sunday, we're having a day off because uh, somebody's up in Mayo, my co-host here next to me, doing another venture in summer. God knows where he's venturing this time. He work, He does work for the Irish Tourism Board, I think, sometimes. The amount of travelling this man does. And then we're back on Monday. Do you want to tell people what's happening on Monday, Philip? Because we're doing a very special around the grounds, aren't we? Yeah, it's the... Um, because of the coronation in the UK, the, the culmination of the championship is on Monday this week, which is a bank holiday in the UK. So there's some there's still a few issues to be decided there, like who gets the final um, couple of playoff places and also the relegation battle. So doing around the grounds there, just as a as a diff, something different on the Monday because it'll never happen again. Like uh, there's no other games on, I think that's day, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if Luton can get into the playoffs. We all want Luton to get into the playoffs. So watch that on Monday. Yeah, just be careful of Luton because your car does break down in certain corners in Luton. So just be careful if you're driving through Luton. Anyway, oh, that's if David Pleat's watching, you know what that's all about. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. David David Pleat was a big member of the AA and the RAC. But look, that's enough. More on that on Monday. <laughs> but listen, thank you so much for watching. Really enjoyed this podcast. We are back tomorrow at one. Whatever you do, give your family a hug. Give you give your children a hug. Don't forget where you come from but always remember Tottenham Hotspur are your number one love come on you Spurs come on, come you, on Spurs. you Spurs made in him some, yeah in somebody we trust <laughs> somebody we trust <laughs>